Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Alrighty, well, hey there. Hello again, friends. Jan Elbert here, back with episode 24 of The Burt Not Ernie Show podcast. Um, I'm pretty much aiming to just get the promises of God into the people of God and see his people live the abundant life that Jesus promised us. How is everybody doing these days? Are you hanging in there? Do you think you're like thriving or are you just mm, sort of just surviving? Hopefully, hopefully today's subject matter will help you just to flat thrive your little old socks off. Um, let's just, let's get after it and jump right in, right? We don't need to dawdle around. Let's just, here we go. Okay, so um, I do want to say, if you happen to be new to the Burt Not Ernie show, let me tell you right up front that A, I can be in my own estimation, not because anybody told me this, but I can be a bit bold. And sometimes I get really excited about God's word. So don't be surprised if I get excited about what God's word says and what that means for our lives. And B, I very much like to read from the Amplified Version. Um, Now, I do read like the King James Version, Christian Standard Bible, ESV, NLT, NIV. um, But I have, and I have to say, in all honesty, I know the King James is hard for some people to read, but um, this is kind of cool. And this is not just me. I've heard many people say this. The King James is just, it's when you read all four Gospels in order Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, then John in the King James. It's like, it's powerful. It packs this incredible punch that's just absolutely tremendous. And um, I haven't really had that experience when I read the Gospels in order in any other translation. So listen, during quarantine, stay-at-home orders, if you need some ideas about what to read, give that a whirl. I'm telling you, it is so worth it. So, okay, let's, uh, if you've got your Bible, open it to the book of Daniel chapter 7. And um, if you're on your phone, like on a run or something, you know, don't worry about it. But, uh, you know, I really, I didn't pick this just based on our world's current circumstances, right? I didn't, I have um, Bible verses and things in different places around the house. I have notebooks where I, I write about different things and I don't really circle back around to things until the Lord leads. Well, um, in my, here in this room where I record the podcast, I have this sticky note on top of, kind of stuck to the front cover of um this, it's like a brain dump notebook. Do you have a brain dump notebook where you sit down once every couple of weeks and you just unload all of the things in your mind that um, a to-do list, all the tasks, everything can be about work, family, whatever you need to write down. Try it. If you haven't done that, do it because you will, you will like be way more efficient and effective in your work. That stuff is distracting you when it's in the back of your mind. You don't even know it. But anyway, stuck to that notebook here, um, on my the closest bookcase to my desk and where I record where my, my mic and everything is. Um, in this room, I have six bookcases, okay? And that's just in this room. And this one is like a rolling cart. It's like a, probably like a pantry cart or maybe a spice cart, but 
um, when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's like an old school library cart where the librarian pushes the books and the kids get to have access to it. And I think prisons probably have library carts like this too. But anyway, um, no, I don't feel like I'm in a prison in my room at all where I podcast my office, whatever you want to call this, um, my corner office, I call it. So listen, I have right here next to me this verse and some other verses, and it just says, Jesus is sovereign and the dominion of the Lord, right? And so I've studied these off and on for, gosh, I want to say like a year. And then this was the time to bring up some of the stuff that I had found that the Lord had just taught me and encouraged me with in looking at Daniel and then Philippians. We're going to look at Philippians too. Um, so isn't it like, it's super cool when I can look back and see that God it's just one more reminder that whoever you are, I don't want to say this to, I don't want to sound weird or like it's, you know, some mystic type unattainable thing or that, I mean, there is a lot of mystery to God and that's part of what makes him so amazing. We can't, we couldn't fathom and we couldn't handle it. In the old and new Testament, people were just, you know, you just about drop dead when you see the, the glory of God, um, begging Moses to, to listen to the Lord and then tell them what he said. So they didn't have to hear his voice. It was too overwhelming. Right. I mean, like, it's, it's powerful there. So part of the mystery is it keeps us alive, I think, you know, for me anyway. Um, but I, I see that God had me looking at those things, those verses about his sovereignty and his dominion so long ago. And yet for right now at this time, you couldn't have convinced me. I'd have thought I was on candid camera if you tried to tell me about COVID-19 and what the world would look like a year ago. I wouldn't have believed you. I just would not have believed you. I thought it was some kind of a joke and you were pulling my leg and where's the hidden camera to get my reaction, right? Like, but God, um, he knew this was the time he would want me to talk about it. And so that means there's somebody who's going to listen to this, who, who needs to know God is saying this to you. This is for you. This is just for you. And I planned this in advance. Jan didn't have to go do a bunch of research right now or anything, or she's prayed this through. And this is, that was all done in advance for you for the right now. So um, I love that nothing is exempt from God's version of all. His definition of all just means all. Nothing is exempt or left out. And that means you, if you're listening today. So from the Amplified, verse 7, uh, sorry, verse 14 of Daniel chapter 7. Daniel seven fourteen says this, And to him the Messiah was given dominion, supreme authority, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and speakers of every language should serve and worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Yeah, this is awesome. Jesus will reign. Jesus does reign over all things. And I think I'm going to read Philippians 2, 9 through 11 right now. Just um, I'll put those verses in the show notes along with Daniel 7, 14. And I, I usually do my verses in a couple of different translations. But today, maybe maybe I'll do the King James Version since I just mentioned that. Um, okay, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. I'm not reading it from the King James. I'm reading it from the Amplified. Sorry, I didn't clarify that. For this reason also, because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself, meaning Jesus, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in submission of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, sovereign God, 
to the glory of God the Father. Wow. Okay, so the verse in Daniel is completely, totally clear on this point. The Messiah was given dominion. He was given supreme authority. Okay, here's the thing about being given something like an inheritance or a position or even just a gift, a present. It can be taken from the recipient only if somebody who is like stronger or more powerful or wiser comes and fights them for it and force, forcibly takes it, takes it with force. There's just, there's, there's no other way around it. If it's been given to you, you can either, well, you can give it away, you can abdicate it, or you can have it taken from you forcefully, but there's not another way for it to be lost, right? It's just not going to be, it's not going to be, um, it can't be taken unless somebody stronger is doing the taken, the taking. And there's nobody, there's nobody wiser, stronger, who has more power than our Lord Jesus, right? So that's nobody's nobody is going to take this from him. That's really encouraging to me. And I hope to you that um, it can't be taken away and it can be abdicated or given away. Like in relatively recent modern history, the future king of England abdicated the throne and it went to his brother. Um, you can Google that if you want to learn more about it. But like you have to abdicate and give it away. He's not giving up his throne. He's not giving up his authority. And so what he's been given holds so much promise and encouragement for us. The fact that he has all dominion and it's completely sovereign, we are completely safe as his children, as children of the most high God. Super encouraging stuff there. Um, let me see. I'm sorry if my voice sounds weird. I feel like I'm kind of starting to lose my voice a little bit. So um, if I talk too loud or if I find scratchy, if, like I sound scratchy, I feel like I sound scratchy. Just I'm, I apologize. I don't know what's going on there. So Jesus the Messiah, he has been given complete dominion over all things supreme authority over all of it. And nobody has the mind or the might or the cunning or the ability, the strength, the power to take it from him. He's never going to give up his throne or his authority. That's astounding. Our Lord is the Lord. Our God is the God. It has been given and it cannot be taken away. Now, I don't I don't need to even, you know, I feel like I don't really even need to tell you what the promise is there. Like, do you, I mean, I know you get it. Like, it's amazing. And it, it covers over so many circumstances and situations that we're dealing with in our lives right now that you run the gamut of emotion and this covers all. You run through all of the possible scenarios in the short term and the long term, and this covers them all. It's super hopeful for us. When, um, this paints a picture, this verse from Daniel. I feel like it's like you take a broad brush and it's all encompassing and it's in full on living color. And that's the picture that gets painted for us from this one verse in the book of Daniel. Dominion, glory, a kingdom, one that's never going to perish because it's an everlasting kingdom. Like literally, uh, we're living in that right now. And I know that you know that, that we won't taste death. Even though we die, we live, right? That our, our life continues forever. We have eternal life, but we're living in the midst of our eternal life right now. And there's so much promise in this verse for us that the dominion and the glory and the everlasting kingdom, that's what Jesus has been given. And we're a part of that kingdom and we're living in it even now. Lots of comfort for me there during a lot of uncertainty. So this is the truth, like it or not, everybody, all people from every nation and every language we're all, Daniel says we're called to serve and worship Jesus. 
right? We are all called to that. That is what God wants for us. That's how he can give us his very best is when we are living rightly related to him in relationship with him because his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which isn't ever going to go away there. This is permanent. Like, um, do you, does anybody remember in the first Toy Story movie when Woody ends up in Sid's room and like Sid has the magnifying glass and he's using the sun to kind of burn that little hole in Woody's head and then Woody, it's so gross, this part, he runs to the cereal bowl and he gets a Cheerio stuck on his head and he looks in the back of the spoon at his reflection. He says, I hope this isn't permanent. Like I, sometimes I think, you know, don't you think the minions of hell who've done Satan's bidding on some level just would, are hopeful that, um, that this isn't permanent for them. It's futile to hope for the impossible. Their eternal damnation is permanent, but God's kingdom is so permanent that even his dealings with those who are totally pure, wicked, and evil, it's also permanent. You're permanent. You're permanently engraved on the palms of his hands. Your walls are ever before him, says the word of God. Your permanent place with him is secure because his love for you is super permanent. We're called in this verse to serve and worship the Lord. So that begs the question, how can you and I serve him today? Well, honestly, it's not like a one size fits all kind of answer to that question. I I have to say, um, do you guys remember that WWJD movement with the little rubber bracelet thingies? Well, like I don't that's really, that's a tough one because when I read my Bible, Old and New Testament, I haven't ever, not once, not one time ever been able to accurately predict how the Lord would act or react. Like sometimes it's just like, oh my goodness, that's amazing that that's what God did. That's what Jesus did. That's what the Lord had his prophet do. It's, it's amazing stuff. It's not all cookie cutter. You can't necessarily say he did this. And so this is exactly what he's going to do. Even when he would heal the blind, Jesus didn't do it the exact same way every time. It's super profound. Um, God's big and he's perfect at being God. And I don't believe there's any box that he ever wants to be put in. He just doesn't roll that way. He's God. We let him be God. So like the, what would Jesus do? Um, I have no idea. I have no clue. I can't predict it. And so that's like, eh, that doesn't work for me in my decision-making process so much because I don't know what Jesus would. He could do something totally sideways in any given situation. Um, But what I really, really want to mention here that I have trouble with as it relates to this exact scenario, Daniel 7, 14 says we're called to serve and to worship him. And we want to know what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. So sometimes people live and die by the like, a mantra or, or like a sort of a creed or whatever for the Christian life is find a need and fill it. And that sounds good enough, but what about this? John 15 verse 16 says you have, and this is Jesus talking. So this is in quotes, words in red. Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and I have appointed and placed you purposefully planted you so that you will go and bear fruit and keep on bearing and that your fruit will remain and be lasting so that whatever you ask of the father in my name as my representative, he may give to you. And then he says in verse five of John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. So like say I'm living my days as a Christian and I'm kind of abiding by the find a need and fill it mantra or like rule of thumb, or you could call it a creed, but 
um, rather than live by a creed, why don't you live and die by the Lord Jesus, not by creeds? You know what I mean? Like, let's live and die by Jesus. Um, so say that find a need and fill it is kind of the go-to. It's how I serve because Daniel 714 says I'm called to serve and worship the sovereign Messiah. So yeah, like I can find a need. Yeah. Like, yep. Yep. How hard is that? Give me 30 seconds in the Google. Look at that. Found a need and then just get started filling that need somehow because find a need and fill it is pretty open-ended. And um, yeah, I've also seen people burn out. They come into the church. They're super excited and rather than maybe foster them, nurture them, grow them up as disciples. Um, and I'm not, pro- I'm not talking about programs. I'm not a program church type of girl. I'm talking about Holy Spirit, like really invested growing them and discipling them the way the New Testament church did. Sometimes we throw them right into that. Yeah, you can serve here and you can serve here and you can serve here and they get burnt out. They leave the church. They think it was just another thing they tried. They never really turn into true disciples. We kind of rip them off. We don't give them a chance to really just fall in love with Jesus and begin to understand how much he loves them to learn what his word has to say about all aspects of life. Uh, Teach him how to pray. You know, the work of God is prayer. There is no other greater work of, I mean, everything hinges on prayer. And that's another conversation for another day, but I'm sure you know what I mean. Sometimes they just found a need and filled it and got pushed into needs here and there and got burned out. And that is not the way to disciple new believers. It's just not, Um, but it happens all the time. So say I'm in that find a need and fill it thing. I Googled it. I found a need. I'm filling it uh, somehow, which apparently the filling of it can be at my discretion. If it's not a call, if I just found a need and fill it, then I can decide how much filling to do and what capacity I can be filling a need, just squeezing it in in between all the other things that are more pressing, right? Like really, this is the truth. So when do I move on to something else? When I get tired of it? Hmm, that doesn't sound like what Jesus would say. Um, You know, just what happens down the road when my heart's no longer in it? Well, Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful and deceptive above all things. Wouldn't it be better for young disciples to know what God's word says on things like the heart so they never fall into that trap of just follow your heart? Yeah, that would be way more beneficial for them and for the kingdom of God as a whole and ultimately for our local portions of the body of Christ if they knew what the word of God said rather than just finding a need and filling it, right? Like I can hear about something bigger, maybe more pressing, a different need. Um, Am I doing this out of genuine love for God or because it's a need and it's like the good girl thing to do to just keep filling that need? What if I start to sense this pull that I think might be the Holy Spirit, but I don't have the right mature enough Christians around me to say, um, why did you start doing this thing? Maybe this thing wasn't God's call, but this, that sounds like the Lord calling you. So I might just kind of squash that down and suppress it and never move on in that thing that the Holy Spirit's leading me to do. And these are real issues that, that need to be addressed when we talk about the find a need and fill it mentality. And also just got to say like, okay, I warned you earlier. If you're new to the show, I get excited. Sometimes I'm about to get excited right here. Oh gosh, our flesh is so demanding and it screams to be fed all the time in every area. And so if you won't feed it in wickedness and pervasiveness and sin and wretchedness and darkness, if you won't feed it what it really wants, which is that's what the flesh wants, that first time your baby, um, you know, it makes that little fist and they 
uh, they grab your hair and they pull and they kind of get that smirk on it. You know what I'm talking about if you're a mom, right? And you're like, oh my goodness, I think there's a little bit of orneriness in here. Our flesh is always from the time we come into this world screaming and demanding to be fed. And if we won't feed it with the bad stuff, it'll take the good stuff because the good will always steal from the best. The good is always there trying to, to steal away from God's best. So we can easily find a need that gratifies and satisfies and feeds our flesh and our ego, one or the other or both. Am I right or am I right? If I'm lying, I'm dying. You know it's true. So does that sound like the way that Jesus and the first century church lived? Like, do you think that the early church made ministry decisions or that Jesus made a decision? Uh, you think about the early church, what to eat, where to live, what to do for a living, right? When to sell their property, who to share the proceeds with, pretty much every aspect of life. None of it was going to be made by finding a need and filling it, feeding their ego, Um you know, Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, you might look that up. If you're going to try to live in the church and play games and try to get credit for things and feeding your ego and satisfying your flesh um, and lying to the Holy Spirit, it didn't go well for them. It's not a good idea. The good deed can just overtake God's best for us. So the find a need and fill it thing, uh, to me, it's just really like, it's not what Jesus was saying. He was so loud and clear in John chapter 15, and none of it was find a need and fill it. Apart from Jesus, you and I can do nothing. But isn't it true that apart from Jesus, you and I can do a whole lot of find a need and fill it kind of work? We sure can. We sure can. It just amounts to nothing in the end. There'll be no fruit bearing. It's not what he wants us to do necessarily. And so we're not wise to continue on that path. We want to grow up and mature as believers and move to a new, a new, um, it kind of level up, you know, grow up, level up and move on to a new understanding that says, okay, yeah, I'm not stuck back in the, the basics, the rudimentary things of being a Christian. I know that I need to seek the Lord for his will rather than just willy nilly pick something and do it. That it just doesn't fit, the find a need and fill it. Ladies and gents, it doesn't fit. Find a need and fill it ain't a directive taken from the word of God, period. Also, super interesting that Christians can become kind of like consumers in the local body by means of this way of thinking. Hey, I found a need elsewhere and I'm filling it. I'm doing my part. So peace out, Girl Scout. Don't expect me to be dialed in or plugged in or involved or, you know, going to small group or whatever. And they could just move in and out of their commitments and sometimes in and out of one local church to another or, you know, by this very creed. And wow, that's not healthy. If you're always running around here to there willy nilly everywhere, um, you need some people in your life who know you and who know you well enough to be able to be iron that sharpens iron that spurs you on toward love and good deeds. You need people that you know, not only people that are held at arm's length. So if you live holding people at arm's length, you're wrong. That's just the fact of the matter. You're wrong. That's not how you'll grow. People have to know you and to be able to speak into your life. That's how, how you grow and change. Okay. So now when Jesus stated, when he said that we had not chosen him, what he was saying is something tremendously important. Mankind, which of course includes women, womankind, and children too, we get chosen for something. That's what Jesus says here, right? So, but look, it's like he chose us and then we get all sorts of bossy like, 
and kind of strutting around and being all large and in charge. But like, hello, that's not a, that's like not seeing beyond the tip of your nose because we totally lost sight of the fact that we were chosen. We didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. There's no qualifier for this blessing. We were chosen. The one who does the choosing, the chooser, that's the key figure. Jesus is the important one because he did the choosing. And he says that in the choosing, he also appointed us and placed us, purposefully planted each one of us. Does that sound like he wants us to be just all random in our lives, finding a need and filling it? Or does it maybe sound as if he who chose us, he who appointed us, placed us, purposefully planted us, he's got a call for each one of us that he would like us to fulfill. That's what it sounds like to me. It's pretty clear. He wants us to bear lasting fruit and to keep on bearing fruit that remains. And also that he desires for us to be able to pray and ask of the Father in his name, and God will give it to us as his representatives. That's a huge promise. He's saying, you ask and you'll get it. Do it as my representatives. And the, just a little bit that he says before that is, hey, just uh, I chose you and I planted you and I appointed you. I've got an exact thing for you to do in this moment right now. And I also want to bless you with answered prayers from that place of being in the exact thing I've got for you right now. Super cool, isn't it? Like, gosh, there's a lot here. There's so much here. This one little verse that Jesus spoke has tons in it. And none of it fits with the find a need and fill it way of thinking. So, okay, I don't subscribe to that. And that's why instead, instead, here's what I replace that. When I hear somebody say find a need and fill it, I'll say, how about hear the Lord's call and obey it? Listen for the Holy Spirit's leading and obey. When I live that way, whoa, Nellie, like I bear a lot of fruit. It's just true. And it's really fulfilling in a way that finding a need and filling it is not fulfilling. My prayer life, it really does change. Because believe it or not, um, this is true. You don't have to believe me, but you could try it out for yourself. Like I am, when I'm hearing his call and obeying it, my prayers are getting answered a lot, like a whole lot. So that's like, is that not reason enough to give it a whirl? Like when, when I'm living that way, life is rich. I hope that's the best way I can put it. I hope you know what I mean. And if you haven't experienced that, give it a shot. A rich life is a good life and I'm living the good life. Okay, Daniel 7:14. It says, we're called to serve and worship him. I'm like beating a dead horse with that, I know, but we do that by seeking his call, his purposeful planting of you in this world because you're planted where you are purposefully and then we obey. Be ready to see his sovereign hand, all his sovereignty play out in ways you never even dreamed of. Be ready for that. That's the promise. That's what happens. If you want to see more of God's sovereign hand in your life, do life his way. You know, Philippians says every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. It's going to happen. This is an absolute. Why not get busy about that right now? It's going to absolutely happen. So how about right now, start confessing that he is Lord and to let him be Lord. Just live as if he is Lord. We don't want to confess he's Lord and then live by all our own means. We want to live as if we actually believe he's Lord. Bend the knee and then see how much fruit you bear in your life as a result of that knee bending. Like prayers are going to get answered. The kingdom of God will be displayed right before your very eyes. Not only is all the earth going to bow in submission to Jesus? But right now you can start seeing that happening. His sovereignty will begin to go forth. Um, it's like you're going to see him taking ground in a broken world when you 
give this a shot. Give it a real solid go. Like really live this way. You're going to discover your call for him by abiding. That's news for somebody. You will find your call from the Lord by abiding, not by striving. With abiding comes fruit bearing. John 15, the whole chapter focuses on that. With abiding comes powerful answers to prayer. These are, these are great promises. Abiding is so much better by far. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is sovereign. What he has been given cannot be taken away and it will not be given away. His work and role for your life in this world, that's up to him. That's up to him. It's not random. It's certainly not left to chance. And it's also not left to the logic of find a need and fill it kind of thinking. You're planted on purpose for a purpose, which is to serve and worship Jesus. And a big part of that is learning how to be an active abider. The dominion of our Lord and our King will never, ever end. And that means none of his power is lost on your circumstances right now. That's awesome. He has dominion. You know what that means for you? You're going to be a-okay. You're going to be a-okay. That's a great promise. It's worth hanging on to. So this is for this is for today, right now. As always, I say that a lot, but don't ever think that God's promises are for the future or for tomorrow. They are, but they're for right now, because now is all you've really got. Let me um, let me encourage you to just keep believing God's promises, because they're for you. Like go through this life grabbing as much of the gusto and the promises of God as you possibly can, and leave like zero on the table. Okay. And hey, if you would leave me a review, like not just the stars, but a written review, that would really, I'd love that. That'd be so awesome. You can also share this on whatever your social platforms are. I would love that too. Um, Thanks so much. I will be back again soon. Lord bless you guys. Thanks for listening and uh, God be with you. I just want to leave you with this. Um, Kind of my prayer for you today is just may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. May his favor be upon you and upon your children and their children, and their children, until Jesus Christ comes again. All right, Lord bless you. Amen. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day, and remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.